stuff that they need to do some level of soul searching and again need to be in that step function jump in their own careers when they are part of such a company so essentially the whole thing is you know your curve has to align with the company that you are at every now and then it aligns with the company you are at when um either it's in early stage or it's in mid stage or you know you're pulled in to build something new right so the examples that you gave me from right you joining gojek at the right time in gojek's life and in your life your curve and gojek's curve had a beautiful sort of sync i think same is true for me say at constar right uh, amazing two and a half years you know ideal was happening numbers were booming i was working on things which really made sense right um so every now and then you uh, or in our career i would say like me working at zinga right um, this is the zinga pre ipo you know it's the, the sort of the, the toast of the town in the bay area right pretty much everyone uses facebook only for throwing sheep at each other for all the people sort of get the farm business but but the point is that you know being a part of that company and in, in that stage of my career where i was hungry to learn and was capable of extremely steep learning curves so like multiple step functions in a short period of time which i don't think i'm capable of right now right i, I think i had the advantage of youth and the fact that i had no learning so pretty much you can learn everything from scratch these things have to match so one of the things that the mistakes that we make is we either give ourselves too much credit that we are growing at the same pace as the company that we are growing at or sometimes our pace of growth is actually faster than the company that we are at that we are ahead right in our thinking some of us need not be fits at early stage companies because we love a certain process or we we like to work in a particular structure or in a structured kind of a place right we don't want to take ownership of certain things because that's not a skill set that we are good at so you have to be very particular about the places that you identify now which essentially goes back to my very first point right which which is essentially boils down to decision making right people would have joined razor pay razor pay say 3 4 five years back or let's take swiggy right swiggy is a great example say if you joined swiggy in 2017 swiggy was still big and it was emerging as a big player but you didn't know you didn't know if swiggy would be what it is the beast that it would become right now right uh so it's a bet it's a bet that people would have taken uh say our, our friends anuj uh, and ashish the kind of bets that they took in 2016 2017 to join swiggy these were big bets they were big bets for them also that the company they were ahead of the company at that point and then the company started growing at a pace that it sort of matched their pace and that's why they sort of you know been there Uh, for so long because their paces have kept a pace so to say the curves have kept a pace and this is this is the great thing i think for a lot of people i mean i i can't, i can't speak for them but at least from the outside when i speak to friends who've been at companies for significant chunks of time is that their step function jumps keep matching the company's growth and as they grow as individuals there are opportunities made available to them and which is why they don't leave right I now happen to be at a company like a Google, right? Where around me there are people who've been at Google for 15 years, 10 years, 12 years, right? Um, and the strange part is that 
it's not like they were doing the exact same thing for those 10 12 years right so from the outside it looks like hey this person has been at google for 12 years wow they've been working on the same thing for 12 years and the reality is that this person some of these people have gone and worked in six different product areas because just google just happens to be that big so you know somebody would have worked in search and then they would have worked on android and then they would have gone and worked on chrome os and then they would have come and worked at gpa or nbu right people pretty much every year uh, every two three years even within google change their product areas completely change the sort of the, the things that they are working on sometimes they go work on zero to one stuff very early stage stuff very mid stage stuff or very evolved products but um, yeah 100 base point jump in a number means uh, uh, the difference of a couple of billion dollars in revenue and that would be something like a search or an ads right um, so this is the thing so whether you are at an organization where google is just large enough that you can always stay a base with a company like google right some of the other larger companies now like say a swiggy or a flipkart or um, a gojek or a grab have probably come to the place that there are there is something for everyone if you wanted to work on a very early stage product you could still do that at gojek and build out a new business line right uh you wanted to work in one of the revolved businesses because you want to develop business shops or you want to sort of like work on uh, something which aligns with what you're thinking and your learning curve is, is possible now now the thing is not everyone has the has that opportunity not everyone gets lucky to be at a company where you can do different things where you can pretty much walk up to the founder and say that hey i want my stripes i've done this for 3 4 years i want to do something else and the founder pretty much says hey you know we will not lose you we will we will make a new position available to you right um, so if everyone doesn't have that opportunity then you essentially have to take active decisions outside and find the right fit for you in my head i'm very clear i always tell people that either quit within a month or two of joining an organization and if you feel it's a bad fit just leave right i think we are uh, sometimes our the way we grew up and the fact that we saw our parents in these incredibly long careers of like working in the same place for 40 years 45 years right it just gives us this very hollow notion of that hey i have to be loyal to the organization that i'm working at and i just have to you know just stick it out and see how it goes they have never ignored the early signs um, sometimes you join a company and it's not the company's fault i mean it's these are like relationships right it's 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 not you it's them <laughs> right if either you are not a good fit for them or the company or the company is not a good fit for you so it's better to leave early right or it's better to leave after you've got a win under your belt it's it's better to sort of typically wins take about 1 to 1 and a half years i feel like 12 to 24 months is the time period it will take for you to do anything meaningful at an organization the first meaningful thing you um so if you feel like the organization is good enough for you to stick around for that long uh stick around for that long if you feel like no it doesn't match your career trajectory or your growth pace right now leave these fast i'd much rather take time off and be without a job for a few months than be at a job which is in the bottom the other extreme vikram that you spoke about was sometimes you see these people who are from every sort of perspective look like they are phenomenal right um, that they should be they should be doing a lot more 
conference and they, they are not doing enough and while they're sticking around in this place. Uh, there have been times where I've called up friends and literally told them that you have overstayed your welcome at company XYZ. Uh, and by that I mean that the company XYZ might still be growing like gangbusters, but the fact is that this person already has enough wins under their belt and it's time for them to go look for something bigger that there are bigger, better things waiting for them. And sometimes you can identify that, right? Like it, I think every, and at that time, I think the only thing is, are there opportunities out there, right? So sometimes friends will immediately come back and say, okay, you say that, but what do I go and do next, right? What, what you think, you're saying that there are bigger, better things for me out there. What are those bigger, better things? Uh, and one has to get into that phase that you also have to sort of open yourself to the possibilities, open yourself to the opportunities that are around. Uh, a lot of people don't. A lot of people, you know, it's very difficult to leave a place where you are comfortable. You know, if you work at a company long enough, you, you become very used to the way the org works. You have so much credibility that you don't want the ambiguity of going outside and sort of building up your credibility from scratch. Um, so yeah, sometimes you get into these safe zones. If you're at the right kind of company, they will create opportunities for you to grow further. But sometimes that's not possible, right? Because the organization just can't match up to your requirements. Um, when you overstay your welcome, then I feel like, you know, things become, you start regretting that time there. That extra one year or that extra six months you spend at a company like that, where you, you literally overstay your welcome, those things hurt the most in the long term. Uh, me, 
about to hit 40 saying things like, hey, you know, think of it as a shot on goal. If it doesn't work out, you can do the next thing. Seems a little ridiculous, right? Uh, but the fact is that now you're at that company and you like this company, you, you like what they're doing, you have to sort of commit to what you're doing there and then. At this point, you have to sort of stop thinking about you've made the decision now. Now is about trying to do justice uh, to that decision and really, really um, succeeding with that company. And it's very rare, by the way, for you to be considered successful if the org is not successful, right? I think engineers can get away with it. Um, in engineering, for example, you could have built a really good tech stack and overall your product was a failure or you know the business outcomes were, were not great, right? It doesn't happen with PMs. The only success that PMs have is the fact that the place that you were working at was also successful, right? Now this is this is huge, right? This is this is the thing that puts extra pressure on product managers. So you could work at a startup and suppose it fizzles up, it fails. Are you are you capable of being able to show the learnings from that failure? That is one. That's one extreme. Two, it's successful, but you are not able to showcase how you were part of that success, right? Like this is, and this is a, a pretty standard thing that any uh, any good interviewer would be able to do, right? When I speak to people who, who have worked for two to three years at a very successful company, you know, a successful company from the outside, I think it pretty much takes five minutes to dig really deep in and figure out what is it that you did which contributed to the success of that company, right? Um, so if your answer is very hollow, or if you know you, you just hung around for two to three years and didn't do anything to sort of really add to the success of the dog, it will be very visible to people outside. So remember, you need to be able to showcase, and that's the reality of, 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 of the world that we live in. Right? The win under your belt has to be a genuine win under your belt, right? And it's a genuine win when a ref check leads to the fact that other people around you could say, hey, we couldn't have done that if Kuchu wasn't there. Or we couldn't have done that if Vikrama wasn't there, right? That's the critical thing, right? Now, the best part about being at a startup which has failed or uh, or things which don't pan out is uh, let's, you should hopefully be at a startup whose failure was very well. <laughs> being at a startup which just fizzled out and nobody heard about it is actually a pretty bad thing. Go out in the flame of glory is actually a good thing. Because then at least everyone at least will be a little empathetic when they listen to your soft story about all the good things that you did there, but it, things didn't pan out. When things just fizzle out, it's very difficult. If nobody's heard of that startup, it's very difficult to sort of justify what you did there and sort of the, the learnings that you had. But yeah, I mean, that's a yeah, Vikram, I'm, I'm definitely talking about <laughs> reading your comments and laughing, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, I ran uh, I, I ran a game studio which which pretty much produced India's first uh, global hit, India's first globally featured product from India. Right, built 30 games, one game of the year, and now now, now if in the world of gaming, nobody knows about those things. Right, like, uh, and it got acquired by Hike, it got merged into Hike. Right, so I can look back and sort of uh, look at my. Uh, uh, Look at my failures and laugh about them, but at that time they really, really hurt. And when you go out, the good thing was that it was a well-known fact that this did not pan out in the way it should have. Uh, and you have to be brutally 
brutally honest with yourself and brutally honest with the people about how you sort of describe the things that you did. That's also, actually, and for product managers, that's a very critical thing. Were you able to learn something from an experience, right? So from a product failure or from a career failure, right? Like something, a decision was a failure. How has that, what is the framework that you've built as a result of that? So I think these are things that you have to do, um, which sort of help you improve your at bat position, right? Like your at bat percentage, essentially get more shots on goal. Um, so yeah, I think, the reason, oh, by the way, if you stay at a company for long enough and you are not growing with the company and the company is growing, right, that's a huge negative signal. So if yeah. you've been at a company for five years and you are at the same level, dude, like, I mean, any good hiring manager, anyone who's interviewing you would ask that, hey, this company's, like, from the outside, this looks like you were part of a rocket ship. Your career should have been a rocket ship, right? Um, so that's the other big thing, that don't stick around at a place where you are one of many. Uh, where you are one of many. So, you know, being a cog in the wheel at the early stage to mid-stage startup is actually a really poor thing for a lot of people. And not an, being not an uh, important cog in the wheel. If you can't point to a win under your belt, it's a very, very difficult thing. It makes sense when you're part of a very large company and then you can point at a victory, right? Uh, at an Amazon or at a Google. But in an early stage to mid-stage company, where, you know, there were only 5 PMs or 3 PMs and you're still not able to point to the fact that I did this, I built this, I was responsible for this strategy, right? I took this from 0 to 1 or I took this from 1 to N or I took this from N to N plus 1. If you're not able to so, uh, to showcase those things, then that's a that's a mismatch. You need to step out and find yourself a, uh, an organization, find yourself an opportunity where you can showcase that. Yeah. Yeah, I very early in my career, one of the HR managers um, at that time had asked me to come up with your definition of employability index as a PM, right? Because you don't have a portfolio, you don't uh, you don't have a code to show. A lot of times, people come back and ask, should there be a product portfolio? Yes, you can have a product portfolio, but no one understands the challenges till you explain them, right? You can write a blog post and so on, but nobody is going to read your blog posts uh, every, you know, no recruiter is going to go through 10 blog posts of yours and then decide to reach out to you or not. Um, so there was something called an employability index, which is that are um, people who you have worked with, how are, what are they saying things about you? Uh, what are your managers saying? about you, what has the customer feedback about the product been? Has it been talked about in the press? Is it being talked about in the media? And you come up with like these eight, 10 criteria and you do like a tick mark at the end of every six months or so. And that, you know, is like a sort of like proxy metric uh, to evaluate how you are doing and whether you, you have growth uh, happening or uh, not. And I think that's something which has stayed with me. I don't actively do it, but it just it, it does stay at the back of my mind all you know, that okay, uh, have I worked on something meaningful? Have I learned something meaningful? Um, am I working with people who might like to work with again? Because it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to work with people you don't want to work with again, even if they want to work with you, right? So you, yeah, it has to be like a two-way. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And that 
Now one more question which came uh, up. I will we'll take this question later because we'll be we are talking about product management, uh, career growth specifically. So that's what we are going to focus on. Okay. So one additional question which comes on on this uh, Anshumani is when you are re reviewing resume and you must and you would know product managers and product do you look down on resumes where you see a string of one year, eighteen months uh, stints, or or do you look beyond? Or do you still like you know you would see that okay, it's a stint at say a Zeta at a Zometo at a, you know pretty good companies or pretty good startups and so on. Uh, would you look at that or would you be like no you know say two or three stints which are short that indicates something which is bad. So you definitely have to dig deeper. So I'm, I think I personally have no bias against short stints, given what I had just answered in the previous question, right? Um, I do feel that people have to go and find the right fit for themselves, and sometimes otherwise great companies are not good fits for people, or you know, you're just not in the right stage of your career, right? You could go, uh, you could go and work at a really really solid company for 12 months and realize that hey, this is not your cup of tea. Having said that though, one or two instances of this in a row is fine, but if you say see three instances of like worked at this place for 10 months, this place for 16 months, worked at another place for 18 months, if you have two, three of those things in a row, it does lead to important questions to me, right? That's something I would, if I have shortlisted this, I don't think I would reject this person because they have significant so again, if, if I'm hiring this person in a, as a mid-career PM, right, or as a product lead on a, on a product, uh, or uh, hiring them at the senior level, as a senior PM level, if I've shortlisted them already based on the fact that they've, they've clearly showcased competence in the places they work, during a culture round, I would try and figure out, was it the companies or was it them, right? Um, because if you are somebody who sort of, either you're somebody that who's not, doesn't feel easily challenged and that's why you sort of keep leaving and sort of, whatever the reason is for leaving so frequently, uh, you, you do need to dig deeper because, you know, there's always the fear, especially if you're trying to hire someone for a very significant role, which has an 18 to 24 month roadmap in your head and you want this person to come and lead that for you. I mean, there is no surety in our world, right? Like it's, some people will stick around, some people Nobody's heard of that startup. It's very difficult to sort of justify what you did there and sort of the, the learnings that you had. But yeah, I mean, that's a... Yeah, Vikram, I'm definitely talking about <laughs> reading your comments and laughing, right? Uh, I mean, I, 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 ran, uh, I, I ran a game studio which, which pretty much produced India's first uh, global hit, India's first globally featured product from India, right? Built 13 games, one game of the year, and now... now now, if in the world of gaming, nobody knows about those things, right? Like, uh, and it got acquired by Hike, it got merged into Hike, right? So I can look back and sort of uh, look at my uh, uh, look at my failures and laugh about them. But at that time, they really, really hurt. And when you go out, the good thing was that it was a well-known fact that this did not pan out in the way it should have. Uh, and 
you have to be brutally honest with yourself and brutally honest with the people about how you sort of describe the things that you did right that's also actually and for product managers that's a very critical thing were you able to learn something from an experience right so from a product failure or from a career failure right like something a decision was a failure how has that what is the framework that you've built as a result of that so i think these are things that you have to do uh which sort of help you improve your at bat position right like your at bat percentage essentially get more shots on goal uh so yeah i think the reason oh by the way if you stay at a company for long enough and you are not growing with the company and the company is growing great that's a huge negative signal so if yeah. you've been at a company for 5 years then you are at the same level dude like i mean any any good hiring manager anyone who's interviewing you would ask that hey this company is like from the outside this looks like you were part of a rocket ship your career should have been a rocket ship right um so that's the other big thing that don't stick around at a place where you are one of many uh, where, where you are one of many so you know being a cog in the wheel at a early stage to mid stage startup is actually a really poor thing for a lot of people and not an being not an uh, important cog in the wheel if you can't point to a win under your belt it's a very very difficult thing it makes sense when you're part of a very large company and then you can point at a victory right uh at an amazon or at a google but in an early stage to mid stage company where you know there were only 5 pms or 3 pms and you're still not able to point to the fact that i did this i built this i was responsible for this strategy right i took this from 0 to 1 or i took this from 1 to n or i took this from n to n plus 1 if you're not able to so, uh, to showcase those things then that's a that's a mismatch you need to step out and find yourself a, uh, an organization find yourself an opportunity where you can showcase that yeah i very early in my career one of the hr managers um at that time had asked me to come up with your definition of employability index as a pm right because mm-hmm. you don't have a portfolio you don't uh, you don't have a code to show a lot of time people come back and ask should there be a product portfolio yes you can have a product portfolio but no one mm-hmm. understands the challenges till you explain them right you can write a blog post yeah. and so on but nobody is going to read your blog post uh, every you know no recruiter is going to go through 10 blog posts of yours and then decide to reach out to you or not um so there was something called an employability index which is that um are people who you have worked with how are what are they saying things about you um what are your managers saying about you what has the customer feedback about the product been has it been talked about in the press is it being talked about in the media and you come up with like these 8 10 criteria and you do like a tick mark at the end of every 6 months or so and that you know is like a sort of like a proxy metric uh, to evaluate how you are going and whether you you have growth uh, happening or uh, not and i think that's something which has stayed with me i don't actively do it but it just it, it does stay at the back of my mind all you know that okay uh, have i worked on something meaningful have i learned something meaningful um am i working with people who might like to work with again because it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to work with people you don't want to work with again even if they want to work with you 
right? So you, yeah. it has to be like a two-way thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And that, I think, is very, very uh, important. Now, one more question which came um, up. Ayush, we'll take this question later because we'll be, we're talking about product management, uh, career growth specifically. So that's what we are going to focus on. Okay. So one additional question which comes on on this uh, Anshumani is, when you are res- reviewing resumes, and you must, and you would know product managers and product leaders who review resumes as well. Mm-hmm. Do you look down on resumes where you see a string of one year, eighteen month uh, stints, or, or do you look beyond, or do you still like you know you would see that okay, it's a stint at say a Zeta, at a Zometo, at a you know pretty good companies or pretty good startups and so on. Um, would you look at that or would you be like, no, you know, say two or three stints which are short, that indicates something which is bad? So you definitely have to dig deeper. So I'm, I think I personally have no bias against short stints, given what I just answered in the previous question, right? Uh, I do feel that people have to go and find the right fit for themselves and sometimes otherwise great companies are not good fits for people or you know, you're just not in the right stage of your career, right? You could go, uh, you could go and work at a really, really solid company for 12 months and realize that hey, this is not your cup of tea. Uh, having said that, though, one or two instances of this in a row is fine. But if you say see three instances of like worked at this place for 10 months, this place at for 16 months, and worked at another place for 18 months, if you have two, three of those things in a row, it does lead to important questions. Though. Right, that's something I would, if I have shortlisted this, I don't think I would reject this person as long as they have significant. So again, if, if I'm hiring this person in a, as a mid-career PM, right, or as a product lead on a, on a product, uh, or uh, hiring them at a senior level, as a senior PM level, if I have shortlisted them already based on the fact that they've, they've clearly showcased competence in the places they were, during a culture round, I would try and figure out was it the companies or was it them, right? Um, because if you are somebody who sort of, either you're somebody that who's not, who doesn't feel easily challenged and that's why you sort of keep leaving and sort of whatever the reason is for leaving so frequently, uh, you, you do need to dig deeper because, you know, there's always the fear, especially if you are trying to hire someone for a very significant role which has an 18 to 24 month roadmap in your head and you want this person to come and lead that for you. I mean, there is no surety in our world, right? Like if some people will stick around, some people might not stick around, but at least you do want to figure out why is it that they left, right? What is it that didn't work out for them? So you, it's about expectation setting a, a little bit, right? Like you really do want to figure out what was it that didn't work out for them in what is otherwise a, a very well-regarded organization, right? Uh, and sure, people have bad experiences, sometimes you get a really bad boss or, you know, it's just things just don't work out, you don't feel challenged or you, you sign up for the wrong kind of a role, right? Uh, you know, you're, you don't consider yourself a SaaS or enterprise PM and you end up in a SaaS enterprise company or, you know, you're working on a side of a business that you didn't really care for. And that's okay. I, I, I don't really sort of worry too much about it, uh, at least while shortlisting, but I will, I will try and sort of dig deeper in an interview though. Got it. And if you are in an organization where you feel, 
uh, this is the promotion season which has just ended mm-hmm. appraisal season has ended and uh, uh, 90% people are unhappy because they believe they should have been promoted they should have gotten one level up they should have gotten more uh, increment and so on uh, and if there are people who feel like that and they've been feeling like that for a period of time do you think that that's like a signal for them to uh, see that you know what is it that they are doing wrong rather than mm. blaming the organization or uh, how would you what advice would you give to uh, pms who are at in, in a situation like that so there is i would assume that if somebody has somebody expects that they will get promoted and they haven't been promoted say across two perf cycles right um i would actually i will question the manager and the organization also a little bit have they been setting have, have they been really setting the expectations correctly with this individual uh, and by that i mean what is expected so you know somebody is a somebody is a pm level 3 and is is hoping to get to spm level 1 right uh, now you have a certain set of competencies in your mind a certain framework uh, the organization has a certain framework in mind that hey this is what we expect a spm1 to be able to showcase once you start showcasing these at pm level 3 we will promote you to spm level 1 now is this very clearly defined to this person because if this person has gone through two perf cycles thinking that they are already exhibiting this behavior if they if their self uh, analysis uh, right is already showcasing the fact that they understand what it needs to be a spm1 and and they believe this then there's a massive expectation so there there are two things possible there either they don't understand what is required of them and nobody in the organization is making it very clear to them that hey what is it that is required uh two the organization is doing everything to help this person understand that hey this is the behavior that we want exhibited or this is these are the competencies that we want exhibited and this person is not living up to them if it's the latter then you know beyond two or three perf cycles if you're still not growing then you're in the you're in the wrong place uh, i mean if i was a manager i would actually really have a conversation with with this person try and find a better fit for them either somewhere else in the organization if the organization is big enough or uh find a new challenge for them work with them to get them to the next level or actually help them find a different job help them find a different place uh it's uh but you know uh, this is this is the place a little bit of self awareness goes a long way smaller organizations don't have things like pm ladders and competency frameworks yeah. right so if you are one of one of four pms or five pms there is nothing to there is no document you can look at in fact your manager is probably a guy who has two two years more experience than you do <laughs> so it's not like somebody you can really talk to and have a career uh, conversation saying hi this is where i am uh, right uh, how do i get to where you are and the guys like man i was just here first that's why i'm here, where i am right just work for a couple of more years and you'll get there so so those are bad ways of looking at your career and which is why there's so much there is a lot of information out there there's a lot of ways to figure out uh The great thing at early stage startups is that I would look less at the the other product managers around you. I would actually go have very clear conversations with the founders in terms of what is it, what are, what are their expectations of you, right? So they've built out a PM team. They've hired you as a PM at an early stage startup. What do they think is the next step for you? 
what is it that they want you to and they might say hey you know i want you to take on a more business heavy role because that's the need of the startup now then yeah. once once somebody makes it clear to you what they expect you to do to be at the next level now the ball is in your court either you say hey you know what actually i want to do a business oriented product role or i want to do a i want to sort of you know manage more people or i want to do i want to take on more responsibility or your answer could be actually i don't i don't want to be a business heavy pm i don't want to run pnl right that's not the kind of product management i enjoy so then you have to go find yourself a new challenge but the thing is we don't force these conversations uh large organizations usually would be good at this and they would have these conversations with you at smaller organizations or medium sized organizations sometimes this is a big mess uh if you're not listening to a person and this person is saying hey i'm ready for prime time i'm ready for prime time and if you're very clear that they are not i hope you've made it clear to the person that they are not <laughs> yeah and um so we're going to take a few questions here and then uh, in at the last anjumani uh, we'd like to speak about the uh, a very special course that you're working on so you know you tell us more about that but we'll get to it in a, a while so the first question we'll taking from aditya which is how do you know whether you're really creating an uh, impact so um yeah uh okay. anybody you go uh, first yeah yeah how do you know that you are really creating an impact okay so there are uh, again uh, leading metrics and lagging metrics lagging metrics are usually what you show to your investors uh, this is our mau this is our revenue this is our growth uh, you know we are growing at so many percentages right it happens after the fact right and it's uh, usually not a indicator of what all went in to get you there you know you can't look at somebody's mau and really figure out what is it that they did uh, or their month on month growth or their quarter over quarter growth and figure out what is it that they did uh the leading metrics are the metrics which are directly correlated to the things that you did you created a better landing page so your funnel improved uh you uh you created a better loyalty feature you 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 gave out uh, better rewards to your users more meaningful rewards to your users and your week over week retention or month over month retention improved right so how how have you created impact if you are coming up with solutions to significant problems at an organization and the leading indicators reflect that the things that you are doing are uh, are going well and then those leading indicators lead to lagging indicators becoming better right which is that hey we have overall our long term retention is good and our mau is growing and uh you know we we are making a lot of revenue and because of that the worst lagging indicator is the fact that you fundraised <laughs> right uh, the, 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 for a pm that's the worst lagging indicator i mean it it showcases to everyone that yeah your company must be doing well and you were the early stage pm there but it's the worst lagging indicator right because the news usually goes public a long time after the funds have been raised and more importantly a long time after what you did uh to actually improve the quality of the product or or to find product market fit uh that answer is also very dependent on what stage of the product you are working at if you are working at a 0 to 1 product so then the, the first indicator of success is that you have found product market fit if you are working at a mid uh, a mid stage product or a, or a growth stage product then you know your your growth numbers would be good indicators of uh, your success if you are at a late late stage company dude if you are in 
Google Ads and the things that you did uh, raised certain numbers by 10 base points, you are you're the king of the world, right? So it all depends on which yeah. part of an organization you are in, in which stage. And uh, another thing that I uh, highly recommend, which I spoke about, like, you know, the employee <coughs> index, like keep a benchmark. Uh, uh, many spoke about, I think one of the highlights of this session for me is you are the products that you build. That's your portfolio. If the product is successful, if the product is doing well, you are by proxy going to be considered to be doing well and have a hand and you will have stories to talk about it. So identify how your product is doing well externally and internally. And then the second thing is that when a reference check comes, uh, when we ask the engineering managers, when we ask the uh, design lead, when we ask the research lead, uh, would they work with you again? Would, would they just work with you again? Would they be delighted if they, ran a if they start a startup of their own? Would you be the first product manager that they will hire or not? That tells you the impact or not. That's why one of the things that I look for when I'm hiring PMs is if there is a PM who's been hired at a startup again or at a company again, that's a very good signal. You know, if a company is going to hire you back again, that's like, yes, you must have done uh, something really uh, well. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Okay. We go to Shiv, uh, Shivrag Reddy's question. I think this is also a very interesting question that after... Some of the P some of the PMs and APMs, especially people who've started off with uh, younger startups and haven't come from uh, tier one colleges, there's always this dichotomy that you have between say two to four years of your experience. Should you go and do an MBA? Hmm. What's what's your take? Like my take is MBAs don't matter, but I'd like to hear your take. Like you know. So, I'm, I'm less sort of uh, focused on, see, uh, MBA, like every other thing, is an indicating factor, right? It's like, it's you showing the fact that, look, I put in the hard work for these two years and sort of I went to this place. First is that I got into this uh, great place, right? Like this top tier business school. And two, that hopefully that you've actually learned something valuable there and you've, you've, uh, you've improved yourself uh in my head at least now I've, I've i've actually started discounting and my long-term theory of careers is that you know that the longer you work the shorter your resume gets uh you know you you, you look at a 21 year old's resume and they will say oh ntsc scholar in grade 10 and got 93 percent marks in 10th standard and 12th standard got these many marks and this much gpa in college by the time you're 28, all those things literally go away, right? You just, there's a line which mentioned that you went to this school. Uh, and even the course that you did there is irrelevant, right? Um, an MBA in your 20s, by the time in your, you're in your late 30s would be like, sure, you can you can put up that Stanford GSV or Harvard, this thing. And sure, I mean, you're, it's a strong signal. Uh, I wouldn't discount that. I mean, let's not be naive. Uh, it is a strong signal for a lot of people. Uh but to be truly honest, the things which will start mattering are the things that you did, right? And those are pretty much describable on in one-one line statements. The at the end, not 
at the end but a truly successful career's mark is that you know it's your twitter profile is your cv was the father of this invented this built this right uh, was the founder of this or uh, built this product from scratch right so as you as you grow in your careers your your resumes will become shorter and shorter and these degrees and sort of other things won't matter to me the biggest factor is are you learning are you unlearning and learning constantly so even if you say that hey i'm doing stuff on coursera or i'm i'm doing an alt mba or i'm 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 taking up more courses or whatever are you exhibiting the fact that you are working on yourself right so if you are your own product how are you improving your own metrics how are you improving yourself how are you sort of building the critical user journeys for yourself as a product and improving yourself i think it's very critical to showcase that especially for mid career pms if an mba helps you do that and just gives out a better signal in the market that's great but if the mba is not if those two years could be spent by you learning other things and actually showcasing things at work and the fact that your credibility has grown in the market then then don't do an mba uh okay now uh, over to uh, interesting time uh anshumani you working on this very interesting uh, course uh, i think it's a cohort based course if i'm not wrong uh you yes. want to tell us uh, a bit about it yeah so you know there are a whole bunch of courses out there which are helping people break into product management right so you could you could be in a different function you could be in a an engineer you could be a marketer or you could be in sales and you know you want to get into product management so yeah, I, I mean I, i've been part of some of those courses i've i've taught modules in a lot of those courses right and i realized that there was a lot of material out there for people to uh, try and become a product manager and there's a lot of material out there also for existing product managers to learn specific competencies right like hey this is how you become a growth product manager or this is how you sort of uh create more of an impact but when i looked around and the biggest gap i saw was with mid career pms right and and i define mid career product management especially in india is with you know somebody who's been a pm for about 2 years right so has been a pm for 2 years and uh between the 2 to 5 year mark and i realized a lot of people were floundering a lot of people were uh were not doing well they were they didn't know how to sort of think about their own careers they didn't know how to sort of grow within their career so essentially the, the the statement that kept coming into my head is like how do you survive in product management and then how do you thrive in product management uh, especially when you've been a pm for a while right so how do you essentially sort of boiling down to this particular thing that we spoke about how do you start looking at your own career as a product and start making conscious product management decisions for yourself to essentially get over the hump i i see a lot of pms caught in this rut right uh, in and sometimes it extends from the 5 to 8 year mark also but i think 2 to 5 year mark is if, if you sort of learn those valuable lessons at in that period you you are sort of primed for success later on but sure it it could be that you've been a pm for 5 to 8 years and you're still stuck in this right uh, beyond 8 years in product management i think you're sort of i mean product management is not that old in india and in asia and apac so uh, right at 8 plus years you are a seasoned product veteran <laughs> in my books uh, right uh, but yeah 2 to 8 years but more importantly the 2 to 5 year period so yeah so i'm i'm, I'm trying i'm building a cohort based course and uh, uh, it it will be with uh, the folks at maven who you know the 
Gagan Biani and West Cow's new startup. Uh, so I'm actually right now in their cohort where they are teaching how to build cohort-based courses. So I'm in a cohort for a course where West is teaching how to build cohort-based courses. And at the end of it, I would have a course built out for mid-career PMs. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then the hope is that uh, this is this is my way of actually trying to give back to the ecosystem uh, in a way that you know build something which is valuable for people, uh, and hopefully they, uh, that mid-career PMs will find value in this and it will help them be more successful PMs. Awesome, thank you. I think this was this was such a dense conversation. We we packed we packed <laughs> in so much wisdom in uh, in the last uh, 56 minutes or so. Uh, thank you so much. Suhas, over to you. Thank you. My pleasure, Vikramar. As always, thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. I, I love all our conversations. Suhas, <laughs> Utkarsh, um, one of you wants to... Suhas, are you... I, I think Suhas is, is kind of caught up somewhere. So uh, thank you, thank you, Anshuani. Thank you, Vikrama. This was this was a wonderful session. I'm um, just wondering how many folks will go back and have a conversation with their managers tomorrow <laughs> on a lighter note. But this was this was a fun-filled uh, <laughs> conversation, and, and uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much again. Uh, thanks to all of you guys who have donated and joined. Uh, we will uh, reach back to you with all the details. And we ensure that you get to meet the family that you donated for. And uh, thank you again. Uh, stay safe. Yes. Uh, stay safe. Stay inside your homes. Uh, thank you. Good night. Bye-bye.